to start this by thanking everybody that came on for us this season. I'm really excited. It's a great group of people, and I, I can't thank you enough. So just from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being with us for the next six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean we're You're stuck? Welcome. You are stuck. That's, oh. that's what all that paperwork was for. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> what was with the non-disclosure? That don't was worry really about sketchy. That. Don't, don't worry about that. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't You're not supposed to disclose that. I don't know why I needed to send such personal pictures considering I know. I was going to ask the same thing. It's for HR, you know. It's an HR thing. Okay. We have two returning players. Of course, everybody remembers Sornar and Sergio. They are now Hans and Kiefer. But we Hans. actually have, Yes, Hans. If you went with that accent, I will punish you. So next week is going to be the punishment. <laughs> punish him or punish all of us? Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, no. It's a good thing he was saving all of his good roles for that encounter. Right, right, right. <laughs> so now we have three new players. So we have Lucian, we have Ellie, oh, and hello. we have... Yes. And, of course, we have Galaxia. I wanted to start with the new three. Uh, what's a good word for you guys? The three amigos? The, yeah, the newbies. The newbies. The newbies. Yeah, I, would like the newbies. To, I would like to start with the newbies. So go ahead um, and just, you know, how did you guys get started into tabletop RPGs? Was D&D your first one, or have you played other games? Anybody can start. So go ahead when you're ready. So they're not, so not stepping all over each other. I'll, I'll just go first. So I'm, I've been doing uh, RPGs and table, well. D&D since a long time ago, and I like RPGs since I played Might and Magic on a Commodore 64 when I was much, much younger. Old. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm very, I've been doing this for quite some time. Like I told you when I first got in here, I've been playing D&D since first edition. So it's been first through second through third through now 5E. So it's just been a lot of fun getting back into it with the new 5E rules. So I'm enjoying myself. Uh, just not from player aspect, but you know this as well. Theo, I DM my own sessions as well. Yeah, you're a very good DM, and I do enjoy your games. Unfortunately, I'm so busy, I can't be part of them. <laughs> well, no, and it's good because you know how I roll, and I'm pretty re- relaxed and easygoing. Um, I just I go with the flow, so I'm able to flip the tables at any point in time, which is which was fun for me earlier as a noble. And then there was two different ways I could play it, and I was playing it just enough to be just a, enough of a dick, but not too much of a dick. I did enjoy your rendition of the noble. I was very worried about starting everybody off not as their characters. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. But I, th- I think it turned out pretty well. I think everybody got into the spirit of things. It's like you had no information to go off. As everybody, and like everybody just like knocked it out of the park. I was like, yay, good job. <laughs> and remember, kids at home, it was the noble's fault what happened in the throne room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. It must have been the spit in the water which made him turn into a monster. That's what it was. That's what I'm not going to lie. Like, as, soon, as soon as that happened, I was like, man, I should have just taken the reins and left his ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, this so is the- my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so the other part of it, it that so far so good is a, a companionship between myself and Ellie. It seems to be going off pretty good so far. So I like mm-hmm. the fact that we built our character backgrounds around, around each other. So it's working well so far. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I wanted to change from the first season was get more involved in the people's backstories. The first season was kind of just like, all right, well, here's the world. Build your characters. Let me know about it, and I'll say yes or no. You know, <laughs> The first season was very rough. I just want to polish it, and I'm hoping that each season is a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And I think that's what you're supposed to strive for anyways. 
So that's why I, I stress backgrounds for my campaigns because it just makes it easier for the DM to kind of roll with the punches and just create some really good character storylines to help people kind of get really into the role play. So that's a real huge help to um, campaigns like this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pass the torch off to someone else. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Well, I could um, go along with that. I, I started uh, tabletopping actually was probably like early college, late high school or so with a bunch of friends. And uh, we literally played uh, somebody's room was basically their parents' basement. So it's just the perfect spot for we had about maybe eight players in one game and it takes a while to go through sometimes, but we had some really good chemistry and really it was a great um, intro with a lot of good friends. And so um, I've done several different campaigns in the year. I've noticed that my characters seem to evolve. Uh, I started with like roguish characters and now I'm doing a druid. So I'm um, just kind of trying different types of characters and it also helps kind of utilize different parts of your of your own personality so I like exploring the different things my last campaign was in Pathfinder with with a bunch of friends nearby so this is kind of just getting back to D&D mm-hmm. uh, we were talking a little bit before we started you were talking about a boar I was like yeah this is my animal companion I know last week when we talked I was like yeah animal companion cool woo like like I think we all made a joke like since you're a halfling it's like can you ride it it's like you have to have a animal companion if only if you can ride it and mm-hmm. Then I was like, but that's we not D and D. Yeah, well, we were we were, <laughs> t- we were talking. Yeah, we, we were talking. I was like, I don't actually remember druids having animal companions. And then you're like, oh no, yeah, I don't have one. Never mind. Scrap the project. <laughs> okay. like, that happened like five minutes before we started. <laughs> we started recording. The first. But I will like, say, the first time. I will say, um, I suggest if you do play Pathfinder, and I think D and D has it too, where you get the the animal companion. Definitely go for a Velociraptor. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> so the last time I had an animal companion, I was playing a druid in 3.5, and I had a lion. That was like the best thing ever. I don't believe you're telling the truth. <laughs> I think he's lying. <laughs> I there's, have, like, I, there's like four movies saying why having a velociraptor as a companion is a terrible idea. Oh, we had a great time. I was okay, but here's here's another thing too. I was animal companion. And I was given a dog, and at one point, my character being a druid had like the strength was so low. The mm-hmm. dog was better than me <laughs> in battle, <Wow>. but I get <laughs> I got three turns. I got to fight things with the with the dog and with the velociraptor. You just just shred things to pieces with those. I did this build, and I didn't do it for myself. I did it for another player, and they were like, "Like I don't want to. I don't know how to play a druid. I think you know I, I'm worried about doing a druid." And I was like, "Okay, well, what kind of druid do you want to be?" And like. Literally, like her first words was, I want to be a crazy cat lady. I just want to have a bunch of cats and just like throw them at people. I was like, okay, then we're doing Circle of the Shepherd. <laughs> and then I started doing the math because we we're like playing like a 10th level or something like that. And I was like, you know, by the math, like if you do this one spell and cast it at your maximum, you can summon 16 cats. And they're all going to hack and slash. And well, so they have 16 cats now. They don't have like a huge like, attack bonus but because of circle of the shepherd like they get extra bonuses to attacks and all their attacks are magical so it turned out to be like they have like you have 16 attacks in one round i was like that's absolutely ridiculous and i was like okay i'm going to show you how to do it but you're not allowed to do it (laughs) that would take forever (laughs) oh god yeah (laughs) that's the things that i see in my nightmares 16 cats just coming at you that's my dreams 
So Pathfinder is a very interesting game. I have not played too much of it. I do know that it got started when 3.5 was like at its ending point and then 4th yeah. edition showed up and not a lot of people enjoyed it. I don't think 4th. we talk about 4th edition. We, we don't. Talk re- about that? No. Well, I did love like Galaxy's players. Like, yeah, I played 1st edition, 2nd edition, 3rd, and now we're playing 5th. Like, totally skipped over that. So I was like, it's kind of taboo in, in the D&D world in, in most circles. I remember that D&D technically 4 was almost like D&D 3.5, but it was... But like you already said, it wasn't really great. So when they redid it in the five, it made it better. But there was things in five, I wish they would have carried over from three. And, and there's just a little bit from one of my campaigns is like the whole profession things. They did away with professions. Like if those of you remember blacksmith or weaponsmith or armorers mm-hmm. and leather workers, they kind of got away from that in five. But I kind of recreated it in one of my own little campaigns at was started off with when I was doing my own uh, crafting tables for characters to be able to craft their own things. And last season, during the segment mid-gaming, we actually talked a little bit about like, you know, things that we want to see in like the next edition, you know, in like sixth edition or, or beyond. And I would really like to have more skills. And I know why they did it the way they did, but bring back crafting skills. I did love the ability to create your own magic items. And they, they have done supplements where like, okay, we're, here's kind of the way you do it. But like in 3.5, like he's like, here's a list of things. You know, you need to be able to have this level of spell. You need to have this amount of XP. You need to be able to do this, this, and this. And then you can create the magic item. You're like, yay. So, yeah. <laughs> which, is, like, which, is why, which is why I, for, I know you weren't all the way in it, uh, but I did, that's why I created my own little crafting. And the way I crafted it was pretty, actually was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, with percentages and rolling and, just, and the different types of weapons you could make. They were non-magical, but you could still, but if those of you who remember old school Diablo, when you had weapons of low quality or superior or, um, I went in with that type of concept with the, with the crafting. It was a lot of fun from, uh, what I did. I didn't, I really wish my artificer character didn't die in the first session. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a crafter. I'm going to make all the stuff. <laughs> and he like, he died. Like it wasn't like, just like he died. He like, he died, died. Like everything went wrong. Like he went down to zero. I rolled a, I think a one in my first roll, a two on my second roll. And then like, I was rushed over to like the person that could maybe resurrect me. And then like you rolled a like really low number. And was, at that point it was just basically like, yeah, that character's just dead. Nobody wants him alive. Like, <laughs> like yeah. it, was, it was like, I was like, and then like, and then like, I remember you looked at me, you're like, I'm so sorry. I was like, it happens. I mean, it's, it's a character. <laughs> you never want to kill someone's character for sure. No, you never want I've, to. I've, it does happen. I have. <laughs> you want to kill people's characters? <laughs> You know, in one of the last sessions, you were talking about different characters that, like, just infamous players in your in your games. We had one in my Pathfinder uh, game, actually, where she would randomly generate a horse mm-hmm. into the room, just anywhere. <laughs> just horse. There now. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I would be okay with Actually, no, she did die. And we were yeah. all like, oh, no. <laughs> you're, you're sad, but not too sad. Oh, not really. <laughs> I've had DMs that, like, have seriously, like, every time you bring an animal companion, he didn't want to deal with the animal companion. Like, he didn't want to deal with, like, like it could be anything. Why? Like, if he didn't want to deal with the animal companion, so he would, like, send everything after the animal companion first. So what well, we did, we just had a bunch of animal companions and then basically we'd have like one turn where we wouldn't get hit and we just like sp- we just like overran his his encounters. We learned how to break the game that way. Okay. 
So <laughs> anyways, moving on from that morbid thought, is there anything else you want to talk about there, Ellie? Not right now. I think I'm... Okay. Then we'll go ahead and move on to Lucian. I got started in D&D back in 94. I've been okay. playing since Redbox. I've tried all the iterations. Wow. Dabbled into Palladium Games, World of Darkness. If there's a role-playing game about it, including GURPS, I have played it and or ran it. Mm-hmm. Lots of good times, lots of silly rules here and there. Yeah, I, I happen to think that uh, Pathfinder came about because we had three and then three five. And then someone looked ahead and said, what's that? Oh, oh, uh, yeah, Pathfinder. Yeah, uh, over here. Don't look over there for when four was coming around the bend. Like, I don't know. Like, have you noticed, has any of the players actually noticed that, like, you know that they're going to change the game? Like, it's the, like always the last supplement that they put out. In 3.5, it was like, I think it was like Legend of like the Five Swords or the Seven Swords or something like that. And it was basically a beta test of fourth edition. So, like, everybody that played it, like, I believe they, they saw what was coming. They're like, I don't, don't want to do this. <laughs> My personal opinion is four was basically they tried to soften it all down to try to attract the WoW crowd and yes. uh, World of Warcraft to, into D&D. And it really irritated all their faithful. Um, yes. But right around that time, if I'm not mistaken, they came out with a Diablo Roll20 game, um, a bunch of different little things around there. And thankfully, it bounced back with 5th edition. I love 5th with a few little tweaks that could uh, really carry. I do absolutely love what they've done with 5th edition. I wish that was the edition we got instead of fourth edition. <laughs> that's why I like to, I'd like to introduce, like I'm really big in the mechanics of the game myself. So that's why I, I like things like crafting tables or mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who have heard of it, uh, it's called uh, deity points. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with deity points is when you would used to like back in three and 3.5, you could, we, you had a, a deity that you believed in. You could, you could perform certain acts to gain what was called divinity points. And then you could use them, uh, as like a prayer to your God, like a, like an, oh my God, we need a holy prayer to save us from this almost dying. And it'd be like your one chance to ask your deity for a favor. And, and it was awesome. still not as powerful as Thacko. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, I really do wonder, like Kiefer, like, are you adamant for Thacko to come back? Or is are you just like memeing it up at this point? <laughs> I'm not sure either way. I just like the concept of Vaco. I don't like the practice of Vaco because <gasps> you commit blasphemy. Um, just talking about Vaco, even though it's not as complicated as it's as it seems. But whenever you're explaining it, um, you know the meme with Charlie, and he has like all uh, from Always Sunny, and he has like his board where he's like, "Okay, let me explain explain this to you." Yeah, yeah. Um, that's how I feel when you know I'm like, "Oh yeah," and then back in the day in D and D, there used to be a thing called Thacko, and you're like, and someone asks, uh, undoubtedly, "What's Thacko?" And you're like, "Well, it's the uh, how much time do you have?" <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> not true. <laughs> Two hit armor 100%. class zero. It's all in the name. <laughs> there's there's positives and negatives, and then you know you have to take that, and you have a pop, and yeah, it's just it's just a fun thing to talk about D and D to make you feel really nerdy. 
It should, I, uh, be, it should really be the password to a nerd fan club. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, that's that's actually a funny thing. I'm on a bunch of different Facebook groups uh, for like Dungeons and Dragons and DMs and things like that. And it is just a beautiful grenade. Like it, all you have to type in is like, hey, what's that go? And then like the entire group will blow up. Like everybody will <laughs> just start arguing. But the best part about it is you can do that every single week. And it's the same people yelling at each other. <laughs> you're just sitting back like, my work here is just done. Get, yeah, you're like, you get bored. It's like, hey, you're like, I don't have anything to do for the next two hours. Go on the group. What's that go? <laughs> <laughs> this oh, is me. why we can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah. <It's>, uh, <laughs> well, that's one of the things I like about what they did from you know the Thaku days to now is that they simplified it and made it easier. They simplified a lot of stuff. One of the things that I really, really, really would like to get rid of is the alignment chart. That's the thing that I really wish that they just do without. Um, or modify well, it somehow to make more more think, alignments? Or well, more... I, I think the alignment chart is, is good. I mean, you, yeah, right now. Well, the alignment chart is good. I mean, you, you still need to have the alignments at some point and it's all about it really but the, the whole purpose of the alignment is really is your way to develop your character into the personality of what you of how you want to play your character so it kind of builds into it between because there's a always that thought process if you're lawful and neutral you're lawful to a point but then you're like well do i really want to break this law uh, if it's not the right law then maybe i will because i'm lawful and neutral Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in the day, the the whole alignment uh, thing was just a stick for the DM to beat you over the head with. Like, oh, you're a paladin? Oh, that's super cool. Oh, was that not a lawful move? You lose your powers. I, well, I for- think it does. It does like having the alignment chart definitely does like make you think about how to play the character. Like uh, I mentioned about how I have evolved my characters. A lot of my early ones were chaotic good like anything i was playing was just chaotic good because it was just so easy to play for me <laughs> anything i said it was good it's good shameless um, plug yeah <laughs> but um as i've wanted to evolve in my character playing and stuff so that's where my good neutral it, to me that's harder to play <laughs> so that's where i'm going into that so uh wizards of the coast and, and dungeons and dragons just recently made an announcement that they're going to be making modifications to all their books about that they're not going to have evil races anymore what? because because of the the racism that's be- behind that and and stuff like that and so instead of it being that you know every single drow is born super evil or goblins or whatever having these evil races you're still going to have you know there are groups that are evil, but the way that you were born is not necessarily evil. And you I mean think like that, society. <gasps> yeah. Well, so like, <laughs> I, do, do. I feel like it, I definitely feel like it should be, uh, and that's good and all. I think what gets me is the people that like take alignments to like an extreme level. Correct. And um, another group that I play in, they were in a Yonti city. And in my world, Yonti are not inherently evil. They have an entirely different culture. I, I, it sounds familiar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, but like the paladin, he walks up and goes, I detect evil. And it's like, all right, well, you don't sense anything. And he's like, well, that's bull. Because like, I'm around Yanti. He's like, yeah, they're not evil. They're not evil people. Like, they have free will. Like, if a demon shows up, like, to me, a demon is evil. That's they're why gonna... my uh, trouser snake uh, uh, got detected. Yeah. So something like a demon, like, it will eat your face today. It will eat your face 100 years from now. But like, a person with free will can change its mind. The races that 
have free will, I don't think should stick too closely to an alignment chart where the races without free will, like the Fae, Demons, Celestials, those kind of things. The alignment chart means would mean more to them than it would to like us personally. And another thing that I think is that the alignment chart, especially if you're playing a character for, for long periods of time, it limits growth and development because not saying all the time, but sometimes when people go, okay, I'm lawful good, they think I always have to be lawful good. But I mean, events in life can make you turn to evil or good or whatever morality it is, then you change and evolve throughout your lifetime. And same with characters. I think, yeah, there's, there's a misconception. I mean, evil characters are, like you said, uh, I agree. And just like mine, I always enjoy drows and half-orcs. And they're considered evil, but just because they're evil doesn't mean that they can that they'll always commit evil acts. Now, is it more likely they will commit an evil act? Probably. But it's also, as soon as you're in a group and everyone's good and they detect evil, just like, we have to kill our own party member because he's evil. I'm like, but I didn't do anything evil, technically. And that has happened. I mean, you, and like I said, for me, it's the people that just take it way too far. It's like the rogue. It's like the person that plays a rogue. And I was like, why did you do that? And it's like, well, my character is chaotic neutral. It's like, that's not a reason. That's not a reason to act upon something. You're just being a dick at this point. <laughs> you know, so I think, like, I think my favorite story was uh, a player, you know, saying, I'm going to go stand in this cave. And we were just like, why because it's dark and i'm evil and we were like that has got to be the dumbest thing i have ever heard anyone say <laughs> you in know, the history of my player history anybody see like the justice league show oh yeah um, i mean wild i mean it's been a while but like that reminds me of the time that flash and lex Luthor traded bodies and i have no flash, idea the, who this is yeah well yeah the yeah <laughs> lex Luthor picked like like oh, i can figure out who the flash is takes off the mask like yeah, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> and but the, and the, flash was in, like, the Flash was in the bathroom, like, freaking out. like, oh, God, oh, God, be calm, be calm. And then, like, he walks out, and the guy's like, hey, are you going to wash your hands? He goes, no, because I'm evil, <laughs> and walks off. And the villain that. was, like, looking at Lex Luthor, like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting. So, like, yeah. That's a perfect example. It is the oh, perfect yeah. example of why you should not play your alignment, you should play your character. <laughs> right. That's, 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 we, have, we have so many, so many stories about people doing dumb things based on their alignment. Like, especially in crucial moments, like stealing from the party when there are guards that are watching over everybody. And you're like, why, why did you decide to do this? We're in public. We're not even right. in private. Yeah. <laughs> wild card yeah that's what i'm getting at when i say that the alignments should probably be taken like it shouldn't be a hard rule it should be just for character developments like okay well my character started off as you know and that's a good basis to start off with but it should not be a reason why your character does the things that they do it's a mindset yeah right and that's why christy i was trying to help you with build your character around that's why i like the whole day to background yes. or a character and I'm, I'm good at it because I, I play clerics a lot i've done paladins a lot so it really I, the way i like to tie into background is just based off my deity and where they come from and it really gives a good backstory yeah i kind of like the fact that ellie is kind of shy and doesn't know what she's doing and like kind of like in this brand new world i i do like the way it might be a little bit that you're nervous because you've never done this before you know, do it on a podcast and like, we're all new to this anyways. 
but like just when you were speaking through your character, I was like, oh man, she's like nervous as hell. But your character seemed like it seemed like your character was nervous. And I was like, well, that's really well, cool. That's interesting I, I enjoy that. a little bit of both. I actually did want the character to be kind of nervous. And so I guess I just organically worked. <laughs> well, and she had a trusty companion she could rely on to help her. So that the, the, the between the two of us, it was it worked out well. Our, our back and forth and our trading off, like she said earlier, like we really dwelled, dwelled pretty well together. Yeah. I wanted to talk about making monsters. What are some of the things that you have a problem with? What are the, some of the things that you like about it? I just want to open the board real quick to just get everybody's like opinions on if now, if you never made a monster before, that's totally fine. You know, you can still chime in. So we'll just go down the board. Galaxy, do you have any like experience making monsters for 5e or for any of the editions? Uh, I've never personally made uh, a monster myself, but um, I would find it, you know, it, it, it can be fun because you can make up something that is pretty unique uh the trick would probably be trying to make it not too difficult but difficult at the same time so just so um you're not trying to overpower the party but at the same time you want to make it challenging hans have you had any experience making monsters yeah i have a couple um i have a couple of monsters that i've made myself <laughs> i try the the challenge i had was trying to make player characters into monsters because you know you have to you have to make it so they don't have player stats and it's like the conversion was kind of awkward for me why'd you do that i had a character in a previous game that was that belonged to me and i had a new group of players and i wanted them to have an enemy you know based off of that character i had a dragonborn paladin of conquest and i wanted to basically make him into an oathbreaker but I didn't want him to like I didn't want him to have player stats because if they've gone up against a, a character with player stats, it, it makes the game really complicated and all kind of almost one sided if you don't do it correctly. And I wanted them to have, like you said, have that challenge of it, it being possible to beat them, but not making it so not making it so difficult that nobody's having any kind of fun. If you know if that makes any sense. Why don't you try to just make that character like an NPC like? any other like an evil npc with it'd be a similar same type of thing except for instead of being a monster he's just an npc you have to defeat uh i guess like my, my my thought process going into it was i didn't I, it was my first time doing it and i wasn't exactly sure how to go about it so i, I all i did was like take away some abilities while keeping some like i wanted him to have his weapon like his weapon abilities but like some of his abilities like a class ability they dealing with that as a player is really really like it's good when you're the one doing it but if you're going up against whatever enemy that could be it's not exactly fun and I, I learned that the hard way they were like this is ridiculous i i killed like four out of the five players and i was like this didn't go the way i thought it should go so i kind of stuck strictly to you know using monsters in the monster manual after that until i could figure it out it's a it's a tricky thing like i, I know i've done it in a in my campaign, like having certain creatures or monsters or even like casters, it's a fine line because you're trying to use that character to to not try to kill everyone, but at the same time, you're you're you have to try to play it from their perspective, uh, from that character's perspective, like casting spells and so forth. You know, because the characters are powerful too, so they're casting their own spells. So you know, they're launching fireballs, and you know, your character's like, "Well, I have this uh, this evoker here; he's capable of launching fireballs. So let me launch a, my own little fireball and see how it all pans out." I like it. Lucian, Kiefer, do you guys have any knowledge about monster making? 
Yeah. So I've been uh, DMing for a bit now, and there have been times where I've seen something cool in media or in a video game or something like that. I'm like, I want that in my game and I can't find something that's just like it in D&D, but I can find something similar. And what I'll do is I'll tweak the stats around in order to make it what I am trying to emulate or whatever. But there have been other times where I've had to create something from scratch. And I've done it mostly with 3.5, which is a whole monster in itself. But with 5th edition, I have been able to use D&D Beyond and uh, use their templates and makers and stuff like that. It makes things much, much easier uh, for calculating stuff. Actually, not a sponsor, by the way. <laughs> yeah, not sponsored. That's actually kind of interesting because I don't use that program. So monster making for me is, I guess, a little bit challenging because there's not a lot of information in the books. And so I have I go off of online sources and I actually I so I reskin a lot of the things that I do. I do wish that Wizards of the Coast would put out like a manual of like monster making, like a Frankenstein kind of <laughs> to it. This is how you make monsters. Yeah, like you just posted in, in Discord, like, yeah, there's homebrew stuff you can do. And the, and the, DM, the, the DM guide in 5e does give you uh, some some basic things you can do to create your own monster. Uh, does give you a little may not give you everything, but it does give you a little bit of basics. I'm a huge fan of reskinning, and then like I take like aspects of monsters, put it together. So like the monster that you guys faced in the Dunes of a Call, the the angler was a modified. Um, <laughs> it was a modified abolith. Yeah, and I love dealing with the uh, the rules lawyers on that. Like, um, I had a campaign that was fighting zombies in a drain, and the zombies were across the room, and they're like, oh, it's fine. Zombies can only move this amount of space. And I was like, no, these are fast zombies. And they got on very quick, and they're like, that's not how zombies work. And I'm like, that's how dream zombies work. And you, don't, you can't really get too much more removed from reality. You're in a role-playing game against fictitious creatures inside a dream. Can I ask a quick question to you guys? You know, since you guys are way more experienced as, as DMs. Sure. Have you guys ever had a monster that you... You know, something simple like a, like a flaming skull. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And uh, you ever have your players take an out-of-the-box approach to that monster? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Always to be expected is whenever you're creating something, you have to prepare for what the unknown. uh, Because player characters, especially people who have played for a while, will always do something out of the box. And and sometimes you can create special abilities that the players may not anticipate. It's, It's just finding that fine line of not trying to make the creature too easy, but also just trying to find it where it's still fun to fight it where it's not too overpowering. 5e, I, I find it's quite harder having one monster versus like a horde of monsters. When you're building like a big monster for someone to fight or for like a group of people to fight, the action economy is absolutely hard to deal with. That's why I guess they gave us things like legendary actions and legendary resistances. I find it's kind of cool with some of the creatures like that because you do have those special abilities and you can choose to use them to your benefit, which I think is it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, so like one of the abilities that I didn't get to use was the actual, the lore itself. So like three times a day, the creature has the ability to lore, which means that if you failed your wisdom saving throw, you couldn't take any reactions and your only action is moving towards the lure. And then doing that, it's legendary action. (laughs) It was like a soul drain. It would drain 3d6 points of health from you and then heal itself for that same amount. I was like, I really want to use this ability. And then like, everybody's like, all right, well, I got a 20 to my, (laughs) to my save. I was like, God. 
So it's actually really funny because I like when you had like when you did that to me, my modifier for my wisdom save is zero. Yeah. <laughs> so I was I was like, wow. So yeah, now, I was like, it's really saved my butt there. I was so trying to pull it off and I was like, oh, I didn't. So like it didn't work. But at the same time, I don't think the monster felt any less threatening. The fact that it couldn't do that. Yeah, and sometimes you like I had a campaign the other night and it was more like they're in. Well, they're in They're close to hell. So they're fighting demons and devils and so forth. And it's more like they're powerful, but they're, they're and you know, as you, as you sit there and watch your characters try to overpower your, your creatures, like, okay, well, what else can I throw at them to make it a little bit more challenging so it's not so easy for them to walk through? I think that's the, the one thing DMs have to try and keep in mind is like, what else can I throw at them to kind of make it a little bit more challenging, but not make it overpowering? I think you guys did a very good job with that encounter. I think um, personally for me, I feel like the it was fairly well balanced. The creature didn't have a crazy armor class, but it was high enough for like not everybody was hitting it. And its attacks were like it didn't one shot everybody. But if it hits you multiple times, you definitely felt it. Right, Mr. Five out of <laughs> 68. I'm not metagaming here, but if I had to say on a scale of 1 to 60, I'm about a 5. That was like the best line. I love it. You should totally clip that and use that as a tagline in the intro. I will do that. We do opening bits, and so like I'm definitely doing that. Like I'm not metagaming here, but... The other night, I threw like three different groups of enemies at at, at my uh, you know players, and you know they they got through it, but it was not easy. And they were all by the time it was said all and done, they were all tapped out of their resources. They were like, "Yeah, we we need absolutely need long rest." They burned through all their spells, burned through all their special abilities. I mean, it was kind of fun for them, and it was kind of fun for myself because it was more like even though it was challenging and it was pushed them to the brink. It's, I think that's part of the, the game that makes it really good for the uh, the players in DM is to really feel that stress of like. Because they, a couple players like, man, I, I was stressed. <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. Like um, in the last series, nobody would take a long rest. It was like, all right, we'll just power through it. We'll just go through. It. I was like, like, are you sure? Like, you're. It's like, no, no, we're, we're totally fine. And then, like, after I think the fight of the dragon, they're all like, okay, yes, now we need to relax because that was hard. That was really bad. That's all, and that's how you can do it as a DM is you just press. Okay, if you're not going to take the long rest. I'm going to press more stuff at you and see how you hold up, and then. And then that player's like, maybe we should took that long rest like a while back. Yeah, I definitely have been in games where like we kept fighting, we kept fighting, we kept fighting. And then like, OK, oh, we, we reached the end. All right, well, let's, you know, relax a little bit. And then like as soon as we exit the dungeon, there's another encounter. It's like, oh, you know what? Probably shouldn't have taken a breather a little bit. So it makes random encounters. It's kind of fun to do. Yeah. <laughs> Conversely, to that point, I remember one uh campaign i played and it was a pre-made curse of strahd mm-hmm. and without giving any spoilers we were taking advantage of the long rest mechanics you know that we didn't need long rest but we were taking them and mm-hmm. as, a, as a method to punish us and get us back on track one of the major plot hooks the dm decided to kind of move it around a bit to be like okay. oh you get there but this isn't there anymore if you would have gone when you got the information it would have happened but they had time to clear the place out and there's nothing left. And it's like, Oh damn. Mm. It, it's kind of unique how, uh, you know, these modules whatever you get, whatever campaign you run, even if it's a homebrew, you have that capability of changing things around to make it, you know, either suffer the consequences or give them a reward. That does bring up another point. Have you, has anybody heard of the variant rule of like the grit? So like a short rest is eight hours long where a long rest is like a month long. 
Whoa. Yeah, it's in the Dungeon Master's Guide. I can't remember the page off the top of my head, but there's a variant rule in 5th edition where instead of like a long rest is eight hours, a long rest is actually a month long. Like you like, okay, we're, we're going to just take yeah. off. We're, we're not, not going to do anything. Thing. There's no way I would I would want to do that uh, month that that month. That, that's I realize we could take a leave of absence. That's wow. That's that's hibernation. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's supposed to bring some type of realism. Like you know, you just got into a fight. You're like down to one HP. Like how badly is your body? You know, and then like you're miraculously healed overnight. So it definitely adds like a, another layer to the game. I feel like that would be more for like one shots or like if you're trying to do like a high realism game. Hold on, you guys like, don't miraculously heal overnight? So I know that all Canadians are Wolverine, but down here <laughs> in America, we do not. Well, it kind of goes part and parcel with the free health care. It kind of seems like you're Wolverine sometimes. All right. That's a thing. We appreciate you uh, hoarding over your free health care. <laughs> So does anybody have any questions? Has there been a question on anybody's mind since we last played? Or is there anything that you guys want to talk about while we're on the podcast? Yeah, no. why do you keep hitting me? <laughs> why do I personally keep hitting you? That's that's two major encounters in a row when I started like right next to the bad guy and ended up getting some severe hurt put on me. I think the question is, is like, why do you keep getting next to the bad guy if you don't want to get hit? <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Maybe you should start taking a cue from the ranger and just stand back and wait for things to happen. And then you won't be so close to the bad guy. Yeah, but that leaves Captain Hot to trot all alone up there. I feel bad. Well, I don't know. My job isn't to stay in. My job is to get in, do my damage, and get the hell out. I think Captain Hot to trot is Kiefer because trot it's a playoff That's of correct. Yes, he's a horse. Again, that comes into how you play your character. So again, I know I've played uh, Rangers before, so I know I'm not going to get close up, close up if I don't have to. So if I can stay back and in, in, in the fray, then I I don't want to get up close in front. Not that I can't, I just don't want to. Yeah, and I realize that my build is a little it is a little bit blasty, but I also like the stalwart. You know, I'm between you and and my friends sort of thing. Story wise, should always be part of how you build your character. If you want to, for sure. If, if you want to play a Star Wars character, that's fine. But then you can't complain about getting hit, especially if you are fighting a creature that only thinks with its stomach. Like you were the nearest one there; it's going to attack you. Like that's how that works. Fine, if you want to, but just let us know so we can buy you some cheese. <laughs> Wow. So I really liked what you did with your magic item. At the start of every game, they get a magic item that they can pick from. And it's really interesting figuring out what you guys went ahead and chose. It's always interesting. And I really do like some of the selections. Some people like go, you know, it's like obvious. Okay, I'll just get a magic weapon. And then some people get really creative. And I think that you used the staff of the python in a very interesting way to avoid this creature. It's just like, I'm going to just chuck it over there. It's going to distract it, and I'm going to get the hell out of Dodge. Actually, I was just going to say, full disclosure, I, I got some inspiration there, and I'm like, darn, what do we have that's that's heavier than, ah, I have a colossal snake that comes out of nowhere. All right, someone, I didn't even get inspiration out of that. No, I got the inspiration. Da -da -da. I figured that. I didn't I didn't want to assume that, but that's like, I, I was like, well, let me see if I can do for throw this rock, and maybe if I can draw it over here, then... It'll pop up over here. So I'm glad it kind of it worked out the way it did. That was a very good idea. I, I did like that a lot. One of the things I love about this game is like the players will always come up with something that I don't think about because I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> They're like, it's coming for you. It's like, all right, well, we're going to throw rocks and distract it. I was like, I would never have thought of that. Or like, I didn't think about that while I was creating this monster. And I like it. We're going to go with it. Anybody here not old enough to know the movie Tremors? Because I feel like we kind of cheated that one. 
that was kind of fun. I didn't get the idea from Tremors when I made this creature. My inspiration actually came from the Breath of the Wild game. The, the oh, sand, nice. Yeah. The big sandfish. But then I went, I was like, but I wanted to make it like more of an ambusher. So then I was like, you know, it's a really creepy, nasty little creature. It's like those big angler fish that live at the bottom of the world. I still remember remember that scene from Finding Nemo. Oh, look at the light. I'm going to get you. And then whenever the big reveal, and I'm like, that's horrifying. It's terrifying. Like, you know, one of the thought processes I had after it was after the fact was more like, had I thought about it sooner, I probably would have tried it. It would have been like, Maybe I, before they approached the lantern, would it be like to shoot like an arrow at the base of the lantern just to see if there was anything there? And then I don't know if that would have triggered the creature or not, because then we would have saw it ahead of time. But it still was kind of still kind of cool that it just happened the way it did. The creature had tremor sense. So that kind of impact, I feel in my heart of hearts that it would have activated. It's not a, it's not a highly intelligent creature. But like the entire time you guys were walking up to it, I was like clenching my fists like, oh, my God, they're going to get close. They're getting closer. I was like, here it comes. During your description of the big reveal, you know, the lantern shifts and then there's this tooth-filled maw. I'm sitting there like, he mimicked us session two? (laughs) I also thought mimic initially. We hadn't even shown our greedy side yet and you mimicked us? No, I didn't mimic you. I anglered you. And I even said, like, even the genie said the word angler. I'm like, oh, what's that? And then, like, you saw the lantern. And I was like, oh, they're not putting two and two together. I totally saw it coming. But, Did you? <laughs> but Kiefer is a very... Don't lie. <laughs> uh, straightforward. I face my problems straight on. So uh-huh. it's going to be, ooh, this is a problem. I go up to it. And then, of course, he would be immediately entranced by the shiny. <laughs> Whenever he said, oh, yeah, watch out for the angler, I was remembering uh, a monster. I don't know if it made the transition to fifth, but I believe it was called a lurker, which uh, was the cave-dwelling, long-limbed ambusher. So that's what I had in my mind. So when you're like, oh, there's a light there, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm wrong. And then as soon as you did the reveal, I'm like, the anglerfish, after I got past my mimic shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand where you come from because I think it's fun too, just as a DM to, to try to set something up, and you're just so hoping that it, it works out the way you planned it out to be. And when it does, if it, you're like in the background going, "Yes, yes, it worked," like the fact that you guys can't see me, like this is all recorded, so you guys can't see me, so you can't see my face. Like my face would have given it away instantly. It's like, oh, here they go. <laughs> so. So, and that mm-hmm. happened uh, with my campaign that I've been running with uh, Baldur's Gate uh, Descent to Avernus, and uh, they had discovered uh, a shield. And the shield was, um, there's actually, spoiler alert, is a hidden demon inside, but they don't realize it. And the demon started turning one of the characters, and I was like, it started working perfectly with the, not just his background story, but then how I was fishing it to him, and he was buying into it. I'm like, yes, this is working. That's one of the trade-offs I find in doing this virtually, is on mm-hmm. one hand, we can't see you direct message or private message our party members for all of your shenanigans. Like, it's not like you're like, hey, hey, uh, nerd, come into the kitchen. We need to talk. <laughs> but on the other uh, hand, we by the way, just so y'all know, nerd is uh, part of my handle. It's he wasn't just talking generally every nerd. No, I know. It's wired nerd, right? Uh, that is correct maybe okay. a little bit of both but yes i was referring to to your handle <laughs> wired nerd but on the other hand you also can't just absent-mindedly or ominously pick up dice and start randomly rolling making us go 
what, what, what's happening? What the, like you lose it, you get something, you lose something. Mm. As a DM, one of my favorite things is just to randomly ask the players, so what's your AC at? <laughs> my favorite question is like, hey, what's your hit points at? And they're like, oh, it's this. I was like, not anymore. So <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do. I think one of the best ones is, uh, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, so what's the marching order? Who's out front? Yeah. There, there's well, night when uh, they were approaching uh, a dead body and i was like well who's going up there and of course uh, when he approached uh, the body a little bit closer uh, something bad happened and he's like oh yeah i kind of you said that it's like i kind of thought about it and it's like and then uh, you still did it anyway so it, it, it kind of works out one way or the other there's a lot of fun playing the game but there's this like amazing feeling that i think only dms get he's like here's a surprise <laughs> And then the surprise actually goes the way it was designed. But, but sometimes it, it, it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes no, you're surprised some... too, and then you're like, okay, well, that didn't go as I planned it. But then you can always ad lib it and then make it seem like it was something that happened, but wasn't intentional to happen, but it happened anyways. The one thing that definitely I think a lot of new time DMs need to understand would be that the players don't know what you're doing. And if you act like it was all part of the plan, they will 100% believe it's like, oh, okay, you planned it that way. It's like, yes, yes, I did. Fake very... it till you make it. Yeah, if there's one advice that I can give to anybody that's looking to DM a game, Dungeons and Dragons, or any tabletop, is like, don't get too far into your plans. If you have an idea, run with it. But if it blows up in your face, it is not the end of the world. The players will come up with some crazy idea that works, and you're like, hot the f- <laughs> and time being way better than what you had planned. Yeah, and just run with it. Don't get upset. Don't get frustrated at the players. It worked exactly how it was because the players had a good time, and that's what's really important. I but then you, you turn those nasty little things on them, and then you're like, ha, 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 it works. Yeah, I like to sometimes where you can just ad-lib as you kind of go, and then the DM's guy that tells you you should, you should do that, just don't overdo it. Like you know, If it fits within the storyline, you can spin the tail a little bit to make it part of the story, and the players don't really notice it so much then it, yeah it's definitely fun for everyone then you get players that get hung up on inconsequential things like i played in uh wired nerds session there what about a month ago and we spent 15 minutes talking about how to take this town when he just finally had enough to drive the plot forward and you know not stymie our session he's like yeah okay so you get the impression that this is not important and you should carry on with what else is going on i ran into that now for doing sunday nights everything is structured like from start i have six sessions to end the story but for like an open-ended campaign like the one that Kiefer is playing and tuesday nights they have spent hours doing something i was like it doesn't matter move on (laughs) like you were supposed to be just they were going to ask you a couple questions you were answering the questions, and then the story was going to move on. But no, somebody, not going to say who, to protect the innocent, but somebody decided that they were going to make a giant show of this, and it lasted the entire session. I was like, I wrote this as a 10-minute sketch, and it took two hours. <laughs> you should just confirm for me that it's Kiefer, because otherwise I'm just assuming it. I'm not going to confirm or deny anything. When you have to have time, uh, I would love to talk to you on the adventures of Trip. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they have, but been, it, they have it, been thrown out of nearly every town that they've been in. Consistency is the only attribute that is not an asset if you're a complete screw up. <laughs> oh, no, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. <laughs> That's the thing that you have to keep in mind is like, you know, yeah, you want to keep the story going, but it, it does help when characters just play their characters and, and play out the way, even though uh, 
it doesn't go exactly the way you want it to, but it makes it more enjoyable. Now, if it gets a little bit crazy, yeah, you got to kind of just get you back on track. But I would say that to this player's credit, they do know when to step back and let the other players shine. For the times that that person is center stage, it is a marvelous and miraculous roller coaster. And I do have a lot of fun every single session. So what'd you do, Trip? <laughs> Anyways, uh, we have come towards the end, so we will pick this up next week. 